Hello, I'm back. I didn't upload a podcast episode last week. I've been trying to get a little bit more regular and upload like at least once a week-ish, if not always on the same day, but I missed last week and it was not my fault. There were like mass power outages in my area and so I was affected by that. It was very, very inconvenient and I didn't like it and I couldn't record anything. I was gonna do an episode and talk about various points of discourse surrounding Barbie, like the movie, obviously, which I did see, and then also just Barbie as a toy and as, like, an iconic piece of American culture, Western culture, etc. I was gonna do all that, uh, but then my power went out, so I didn't do it, and I was gonna just do it this week, but then... Well, at first I thought maybe I just won't even put out an episode this week either because I'm so knee-deep in my my process for making the part three of my Depp Be Heard video series that I just thought maybe I should just focus on that. But then I was like, okay, no, because at this point over the last like week or so, Depp Be Heard is really all I've thought about and all I've done any work regarding, so I probably should talk about something else for a minute just to remind myself that I can, and just to remind myself that I have other interests, and so I don't go insane only thinking and talking about Depth Be Heard. So I knew that I was gonna have to do something else, and I thought that I was gonna just do Barbie again, but then, just yesterday, this article came out from New York Magazine that I am featured in, and so I thought, let's just talk about that. And the ironic thing about it is that I knew that I had to do this episode today because I wanted to do something unrelated to Depp v. Heard for my own sanity, but then this topic is also related to the last thing that I hyperfixated on right before I kind of started looking into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard saga, so I'm really just kind of going back and forth between two hyperfixations at this point, and I also don't think that these issues are totally unrelated. There are a lot of parallels that I see, especially in relation to, I mean, the way that we talk about women and stuff are one thing, but also the internet and how much I've grown to fucking hate the internet and how bad it is for misinformation and conspiracy theories and how journalism is a very very necessary necessary field for us to put like weight and credibility into but more and more traditional forms of journalism are being undermined by people who think it's not important or people who do have like legitimate grievances with it because obviously you know any sort of mainstream publication is mostly run by people who are of a certain demographic that don't necessarily represent the general populace and they have their own biases and they have financial incentives that can corrupt the purity of a piece of work. You know, like there there are problems in mainstream media for sure that that should be talked about, but also The alternative is just a bunch of fucking idiots saying whatever they want on the internet, and I don't think that that's a great thing either. And the harms of that over the last couple of years 
have become extremely apparent to me, especially in relation to the Free Britney movement and now the Depth v. Heard saga. So I'm gonna try not to divulge too much in this episode and keep it pretty focused on the article that came out, but obviously I do have a lot of thoughts on this topic that have been marinating in my brain for a very long time, so I don't know what this episode is totally gonna be. But anyway, I'll get into some background. So I was interviewed for this New York Magazine article back in April. It just came out yesterday in the print magazine, and then today it came out on Vulture.com, which is owned by New York Magazine. I honestly don't know what the exact difference is in terms of why they publish some stuff directly to newyorkmagazine.com and some stuff they put onto Vulture, but they're all owned by the same people. New York Magazine is owned by Vox, so Vox pretty much owns all of it. So lots of different websites and different publications associated with one another that are ultimately just owned by Vox. And I don't have any major issues with Vox. It is kind of weird to me when I think about how many companies, especially publications, are all owned by a very small group of other bigger companies. But, you know, that's an issue that's all over media. You know, like Rolling Stone is also owned by uh, the same people that own Variety and the same people that own Deadline Hollywood and the same people that own The Hollywood Reporter and Billboard. Like, it's all it's all the same fucking people. It is interesting to me that Vox specifically owns so many other publications, including, like, New York Magazine, because when I think of Vox, I think of, like, Vox.com, which only really became a thing in, like, the mid-2010s, I'm pretty sure. And I know that Vox Media Inc. is a little bit older, but only by like a couple years. So it's not like a long-standing company. And New York Magazine is like an older publication. It's just interesting to me how like things can kind of come up very quickly and then slowly, or not even slowly, but rapidly just eat other companies. But that's a whole other conversation. Point is, you can find the article on vulture.com. I'll link it in the show notes anyway, but if you're looking for it, that's where it is. It is about the Free Britney movement and its current state, kind of. It's written by Rebecca Jennings, who I think is a senior correspondent at Vox. She contacted me back in April to do an interview, and then I got contacted on Thursday by someone else at New York Magazine who was doing, like, the fact-checking for the article, just clarifying, like, what I had said to Rebecca and making sure that everything that I said is accurately portrayed in the article, I guess. And when I got contacted by that person, I remember they sent me an email at like noon and then I didn't see it until like 7 p.m. And they said like, can you talk like today? Because we're pushing this into publishing tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know. I've never worked at a magazine or newspaper or anything. So I don't know if that's common for how quickly they needed to do that last minute fact checking seems like you would want more time than that because again I didn't even see the email until like seven hours later and my power was out so I I still had signal and stuff so I could have a, a phone call but I was like oh shit that's it was definitely not like the time that I would have set aside for for that conversation but it was fine it was a short conversation and yeah it, it was whatever but then she told me that it was coming out in print on Monday 
and then was going to come out online sometime after. So that that's what happened. So I was prepared for this to come out. I really didn't know what to expect from it because I had the conversation months ago with Rebecca and I didn't know like how many other people she had interviewed. I knew that she was keeping it pretty focused to the Free Britney movement and especially conspiracy theories in the Free Britney movement, which is why she contacted me because it's something that I've written about before, which I'll talk more about in a second. But I think when I talked to her, she was fairly, fairly soon into her research. There was a lot of stuff that, um, I, I kind of wonder if I was the first person to tell her about some things that are now in the article. I'm not like credited as like she heard it from me and that's, that's fine. I, I don't expect that credit, but I do remember mentioning some stuff to her that I think she wasn't aware of at the time. So I, I just think that maybe when I talked to her, she was very early into her research. So I didn't know who all she had talked to already. I didn't know who she was going to talk to. I gave her some ideas of who might be worth reaching out to. And it seemed like she did reach out to some of those people. So again, I don't know if that was me pointing her in that direction or if that was just where her research was going to lead her ultimately. But when I talked to her, it seemed like the direction of the article wasn't quite clear. And I couldn't tell if it wasn't clear to her as far as she hadn't sussed out exactly what the angle was or if it was, you know, she was just keeping everything vague because she didn't want to lead me in any particular direction when we talked. But I did have good feelings about the interview just from talking to her. Like, she seemed like a reasonable person and it seemed like her and I agreed on a lot of stuff. Though that could have, again, just been her kind of trying to get certain things out of me, you know, maybe just acting like she was agreeing with me on certain things so that I would say even more stuff. I didn't know, you know, you never know. And I do think that some of the other people who were interviewed for this article who are not portrayed in the most flattering way, I've seen some of their social media outputs since this has come out, and I do get the vibe that they thought that it was going to be a different article than it was, so it's possible that she was sort of playing that game toward other people, but I ultimately don't have any issues with anything that she said in the article, which is a relief. I was never worried particularly about what she was going to say about me or anything that I had said. I wasn't super worried that she was going to take my words out of context because I think that my message was ultimately pretty clear. Maybe if she was operating in complete bad faith, she could have taken something out of context, but I, it just didn't seem like a huge risk for me. But I was nervous about the overall tone of the article and how deeply it was going to go into stuff related to Britney and how deeply it was going to criticize the overall Free Britney movement and if it was going to make the entire movement seem like a conspiracy theory or seem like something just full of a bunch of unhinged weirdos. Because while there definitely are some unhinged weirdos in the community, it's not the majority of us, but sometimes it does feel like the loudest faction. So I had some mild concerns, especially because a lot of people in the Britney community are understandably very defensive about a lot of stuff, and I knew that if the article was complete trash and my name was associated with it all, that there were going to be other people in the Free Britney community that were going to be like, how dare you participate in something like this, which is like, okay, well, I just answered the questions that I was asked. I, I have no fucking clue what the entire article is about to be. 
And I knew that it was going to be about the free Britney community and the movement and not about Britney specifically. So I was like, you know, this is something that I have authority to speak on. It's not, I'm not talking out of turn here. And I have already seen people pretty much saying the exact things that I predicted people to say. Because last night when this article was pretty much announced online because Rebecca tweeted something about like, oh, I wrote this article, it's in print today and it's online tomorrow. And she posted um, a screenshot from the title and then the little like descriptive blurb underneath it. And that screenshot I definitely think sends the wrong message about what the article is. It's kind of clickbaity. It was called, Where is Britney? And then the description says, Post-conservatorship, the pop star says she's free. Some of her fans don't believe her. And so I think when a lot of people saw that, they thought that this was going to be some sort of investigative piece sort of led by Beanons. And Beanons is what a lot of us call... Um, the free Britney conspiracy theorist, you know, because it's like QAnon, but BAnon. And other fans became aware of the fact that Rebecca did interview some BAnon-leaning individuals, especially one in particular, who I'll talk about when I start talking about the article. So I get why a lot of people were immediately like, what the fuck is this? But then I saw so many people like, tweeting at Rebecca and trying to basically shame her for writing this article, even though it was pretty clear to me that the people tweeting at her hadn't read it, or if they had read it, they had just kind of skimmed it, because it wasn't even online yet, for one thing. There was just this PDF of the print article that went around from, like, a Google Drive link, so people were pirating it, pretty much, which is fine, because in their defense, the article was hard to find. I went to multiple stores trying to get this issue in print and I couldn't find it anywhere. But yeah, the article wasn't super accessible until this morning, so I just don't think a lot of the people complaining about it had time to really read it. And then I literally saw someone tweet something about Britney didn't like the documentaries made about her, from like, you know, 2021, before the conservatorship was ended, like, there were a lot. There was two New York Times ones, there was a CNN one, there was uh, the Netflix one, and yeah, Britney has complained about those documentaries, which I understand, but this person was like, if Britney complained about that, why would you participate in an article? That's basically the same thing. And I was like, not really, because those documentaries were about Britney, Whereas this article was about the Free Britney movement. And the person wrote, If you're a fan that participated in this, you should be ashamed of yourself. And obviously I found that personally annoying because I was a fan who participated in this article and fuck you. But I also, like, I find it personally annoying because as someone who participated in it, I know what was said to me and I know that it was always pitched to me as an article about the Free Britney movement. I never thought that I was participating in something that was specifically an investigative piece on Britney herself. I wouldn't have had the qualifications to talk about that. Literally, what Rebecca said to me in the email that she sent in April was, I wanted to see if you'd be down to chat a little bit about your experience within the fandom. So yeah, I... <laughs> I just The comparison for me between 
Like, the CNN documentary in this article is so ridiculous, and it's clearly written by someone who didn't really read the article, or if they did, they read it in complete bad faith, and it is just annoying. And then that person also, they tagged the New York Post and said, if anyone gave word to, like, this rag, you should be ashamed of yourself. And the New York Post is a separate publication from New York Magazine, like, completely separate. And yeah, the New York Post sucks, but again, separate publication. And I definitely don't think that New York Magazine could be properly classified as a rag. I mean, that's such a dismissive way to talk about it when it's a pretty well-respected publication. At least more than the New York Post. And I get it, like, this stuff can get confusing to people who don't pay attention to it because there's a lot of different New York things, like there's New York Magazine, there's the New York Times, there's the New York Post, there's the New Yorker, and they're all separate things. So I understand how people could get confused, but when you're writing these really declarative tweets about how you should be ashamed if you participated in this, and in the same tweet you expose the fact that you don't even know who published the article that you're mad at, like, I, I get it, and I'm not, I'm not just trying to shame these people who are so reactive because I understand why they are, but it is just so disheartening to see how quickly outrage can be drummed up in a community that's just so purely reactive that they don't even have time to slow down to figure out what it is that they're upset about. Because I saw criticisms all over the spectrum here of things that I just think don't even apply to the article or things that were just so fucking nitpicky and uncharitable and really just not understanding of what a journalist's role is that it's pretty clear to me a lot of people were just committed to being upset about something. And I hate seeing it when it's from a community that I'm already a part of because it's just embarrassing. But even more generally, I just don't like what that says about where we are as a society in terms of our media literacy and the way that we consume information. It all just is so reactive and uncharitable and bad, I think. Especially when I see people tweeting at Rebecca Jennings and shaming her for an article that they haven't really been considerate of. It just really clarifies to me how easy it is for people to just start harassing other human beings and justifying it with some moral grandstanding about, well, Britney said she didn't like documentaries, and this is an article that's somewhat related to Britney's fandom, so obviously everyone involved should be ashamed. Like, at some points it just becomes so clearly ego-driven where people are trying to out-fan one another because they're interacting with the conversation differently than other people and that makes them better. And them deciding that they're better gives them license to be mean to other people. I mean, that has been such a through-line for the Free Britney movement from the beginning. Everyone was always debating on what is the best way to support Britney and what's the best way to get justice for her, etc. And there were never any easy answers for it, and I think that's how a lot of these conspiracy theories and a lot of these more toxic ideas have been able to develop, because when a lot of the Free Britney stuff first started to go down, 
We had no access to Brittany herself, so everyone just had to make up their own rules for what was appropriate and what was crossing a line into an invasion of privacy and what was an absolutely justified invasion of privacy because we need to protect her. And there was always a vibe of, if you're not defending Britney in this way, then you're a fake fan. And some of that is warranted because some people definitely did cross some lines. But anyway, I'll, I'll end that rant now, but my overall point is, I'm just getting kind of sick of the moral grandstanding that I see in the Free Britney movement, but also all over the fucking internet, because I don't like the way that it's being used to justify the harassment and the shaming of other people. That being said, some people definitely do deserve some criticism, which is how I got involved in this whole thing to begin with, because last year, uh, in March of 2022, I think, I wrote a blog post, it was very long, and it was called, um, How Conspiracy Theories Slowly Suffocated the Free Britney Movement, I don't remember what the exact title was, but it was a blog post I put up, I'll link it in the show notes as well, and it was just about, it was about conspiracy theories and how they slowly developed over time within the Free Britney movement and how I witnessed them becoming an increasing problem throughout the entire fight to free Britney from the conservatorship, and then they became a much bigger problem once Britney was actually freed in November of 2021. Because that's when we started to get theories about Britney not actually being free and this paranoia around a care plan and people thinking that she she was vacationing in Hawaii a lot, so that must mean that the conservatorship still has power over her in Hawaii. And then people thinking that Sam Iscari, her current husband, is actually a handler and he's been Team Con the whole time. Like, there were a lot of different theories and I saw them getting more and more dangerous to Britney's safety in particular and also her ability to move on from the entire ordeal of the conservatorship and the trauma she faced with that because there were just so many sections of her fandom that just wouldn't let it go. And because I don't like to miss an opportunity to say I told you so, there were multiple incidents that proved my point. Because in the post, I talked a lot about Jason Alexander, who was Britney's husband from her first marriage. Her first, like, marriage, it's been annulled, so it's not her first, it's not, he's not her ex-husband at this point. But Jason Alexander was the guy that she married very briefly in Vegas in, like, 2004, I think. It was around New Year's, so I don't remember exactly what year it fell on, but... That Vegas wedding where, you know, there's the picture of her in the trucker hat and the crop top and her jeans, and it, it lasted 72 hours, they got it annulled, and then he became, uh, like, QAnon, pretty much. He was at the January 6th insurrection. I don't think he went into the Capitol building, so technically I don't think that he could be found guilty of any crime in that instance, but he was at the protest, and he is just a conspiracy theorist overall, like, COVID conspiracy theories, QAnon conspiracy theories, uh, at one point, I think he said he wanted to, like, shoot Joe Biden, I don't remember, I have it in the blog post, but he's a weird dude who inserted himself in the Free Britney movement fairly early on. He was showing up at protests, he was talking to Free Britney supporters, he was claiming to be in contact with Britney still. There's actually a really funny video of a newscaster 
talking to him about his contact with Brittany and he asks him like, oh, so could you just like call Brittany right now and get her on the phone? And Jason was like, oh yeah, I could do that. And then he gets out his phone and he starts dialing her number. And I think it, maybe it rings or something, but then he's like, oh, she, she didn't pick up. It's like, okay, Jason, okay. But he was absolutely insistent that Brittany wanted to be with him. She wanted to get back together with Jason and she wanted to leave Sam. She didn't love Sam. Sam is super controlling. There's a lot about the things that Jason says about Sam Ascari that is just blatantly racist because Sam is from Iran. He immigrated to the U.S. He actually... Um, he said that the reason he and his sisters moved to the U.S. is because... His sisters were being oppressed by um, the hijab laws in Iran. So he's been pretty outspoken in support of the protests that have been happening there over the last like year or two years, which is ironic because Jason Alexander, along with some of the other Sam Antis, which is the faction of Bianon that specifically distrusts Sam Ascari, they will sometimes use his country of origin to imply, or not even imply, but just outright state that he believes women should be, like, enslaved or something. And that's why he wants to be with Brittany, is he wants to make her his submissive slave. I don't even, it's so gross. It's so disgusting. And for the fans who are really suspicious of Brittany's current status and think that she's still being controlled, especially controlled by Sam... Jason Alexander has become a folk hero to them, and they have propped him up as, like, the one person still trying to actually free Britney to the point that he has literally just started stalking Britney, and he was already doing this when I wrote the post last year. He would, like, show up at her house outside her gate, and he would live stream it on Instagram, and these Sam Antis would be in his fucking comments, egging him on and encouraging him to break onto her property, and then they did the exact same thing months later after I wrote my post for Britney's wedding. Jason Alexander showed up to Britney's house for her wedding with a knife! And security had to escort him off the property, and Brittany got a restraining order. And he also, he's had restraining orders against him from other women, too. He has a history of stalking women. It's so disgusting to me that these people are propping him up as, like, Brittany's savior when he is so dangerous to be around anyway. But yeah, it's like, these people have been encouraging this man to save Brittany and rescue him from Sam for the last, like, two years or more, because I think 2020 is the year that he really started to enter the Free Britney movement, to the point that he was on her property at her wedding with a fucking weapon. Ugh, it's, it's gross. And then, of course, it, they talk about it in this New York Magazine article, too, but there were those fans who called the cops because Britney deactivated her Instagram for a little bit. So this stuff is directly harming Britney, and... So when I wrote that blog post, I felt just kind of helpless because this faction of her fandom has decided that any invasion into her privacy is completely justified. So that was the motivation for the post that I wrote, and I, I still really like it. I find it very hard to go back and read or listen to things that I've made previously. I think all the time about deleting the first episodes of this podcast because I just, I, I hate the idea that it still exists out there because I'm pretty sure that I hate it, but I'm afraid to check because I don't want to listen to it. But that blog post is like the one thing that I can still look back on and be like, oh yeah, this was like 
kind of good. Like, I'm kind of, I, I like it. That's, like, the one thing I've done where I think, okay, I, I can read that. I, I don't hate the fact that people associate this with me. And so that's why Rebecca Jennings reached out to me because she read that blog post and she wanted to talk with me about it. And I was really, really glad. And I still, I'm even more glad now that I've actually read the article because I was just a fucking blogger writing a little blog post that mostly just got circulated within the Free Britney community and mostly just among people that already pretty much agreed with me. But this is clearly an ongoing problem, especially with the stuff happening on TikTok right now because so many people are convinced that she's like an AI or a deep fake or there's a, a body double or a clone. It's, it's very silly. And a lot of people are still fucking falling for it. Like, I still will get people just people in my life messaging me different TikToks and they're like, what do you think of this? Do you think Britney really is? Like, do you think her Instagram videos are AI? And I'm like, no, stop. So I'm very, very glad that a publication like New York Magazine or Vulture is putting out a piece that is rightfully exposing this shit as ridiculous and harmful. Because if there's anything that I've learned over these last years with Free Britney and then with the Depp v. Heard case, it's that mainstream media ignoring the shit that is happening in these niche communities on the internet is not good for us. Like, we really, really do need to bridge this gap between mainstream media and internet culture, and we need to do it really, really bad. This is sort of like a different tangent, but to me, I, I, I do think that it's related. There were these different articles that came out over the last, like, month from Vanity Fair, Rolling Stone, and then, um, what was the, oh, Cosmopolitan, that were all talking about these niche internet things, maybe that seem niche at least for people who aren't super on the internet, and they wrote about those things in the most irresponsible, ridiculous ways. For Rolling Stone, they wrote this weird article about Anthony Fantano in a lawsuit that he's involved in with Activision that was very clearly biased on the side of Activision in a bizarre way. And then for Cosmopolitan, they ran like a puff piece about James Charles and tried to kind of undermine the accusations of grooming and sexual misconduct with minors that James has been not even really just accused of, but like he's admitted to doing, like he's admitted to sexting minors, which is obviously a problem. But then Cosmopolitan was like, oh, but he didn't know, and it's all overblown. Like, it was a ridiculous article. And then Vanity Fair put out this other piece that was, like, in defense of Colleen Ballinger and her weird conversations with minors. And all of those articles have been pretty thoroughly picked apart. The Rolling Stone one a little bit less so, because I think that one is more niche. But the Colleen Ballinger stuff and the James Charles stuff, I've seen so many people shitting on those publications for putting out those articles, rightfully so. And there have been a lot of questions about, is James Charles paying Cosmopolitan off? Or is Colleen Ballinger paying Vanity Fair off? And I think that with stuff like that, there's always weird things involved with publicists and with, you know, we can get you access to this source so that you can write an article about this and you can get an interview with this person if, you know, you write this nice thing about us. Like, there is weird underhanded dealings like that that might be taking place. I don't think that Colleen Ballinger is literally just paying Vanity Fair. 
But I think the larger problem when people are trying to figure out why the fuck they would write an article that ridiculous and think that they could get away with it, I think the issue is really that Vanity Fair and Cosmopolitan and all these big publications, they don't think that the things that happen on the internet are serious. They didn't expect to get a whole lot of backlash from those articles because to them it's just some frivolous internet bullshit. But frivolous internet bullshit has a lot of impact on the wider culture. It's important and it's worth taking seriously. And this seems like an even extra tangent here, but again, I do think it's related. The fact that Elon Musk was able to just fucking buy Twitter is insane to me. And I think that if we had more people in government who properly understood the internet and valued its impact on all of society, that there's no fucking way that that would have been allowed. And this division between traditional media and social media has been so thoroughly stoked by both sides who are both so fucking distrusting and dismissive of one another that one of the things I found particularly striking about some of the early backlash to Rebecca Jennings' article is that I saw it coming from the same people who were actively praising my blog post, which is pretty much about the same subject, but my blog post instead of an article from New York Magazine. Obviously, there's there's definitely differences in the formatting of the articles and the overall style and the depth to which I went into it and what Rebecca went into, but the main core focus is the same. So for the people who are so upset at Rebecca right now, I don't quite understand why those same people, for the most part, were pretty accepting of me and I think the main motivator here is that so many people in the Free Britney community, but also just on social media and people who are involved in these niche social media communities are so automatically distrusting of traditional media at this point that they just assume whenever an article comes out about them and their community or about the thing that they're passionate about that it's already been botched before they've even read it. And that's not to say that you have to like this article if you liked my blog post or that you can't have any sort of legitimate criticisms of it, but the outrage was just so far outside the bounds of what could possibly be appropriate. It was so disproportionate to any sort of harm caused, and it was so fucking immediate before people could even read the piece that it's clearly not about the article. It's about the format, it's about the messenger, and that really, really sucks. Because I think the main reason that these conspiracy theories were even able to flourish in the movement in the first place was the fact that everything in the Free Britney community was happening on social media and wasn't being picked up by mainstream journalists who were actually fact-checking shit and making sure that things were being communicated in a super responsible way. We need people like Rebecca Jennings taking up issues like this, and I think we should be embracing her rather than shunning her. But whatever, let's just go through the articles so that we can get into this in a more in-depth way. So it starts off by talking about that 911 call that I mentioned earlier where Brittany deactivated her Instagram and that prompted fans to uh, just call 911 and put in a... Uh, 
order like a welfare check because they thought that something was wrong with Brittany or that she was being held against her will, that there was something going on, especially because the last thing or one of the last things that Brittany posted before deactivating was a photo of this Porsche 911, which she mentioned in the caption as like, oh, that's the, the car that's in this photo. But because the words 911 were used, that prompted some people to think that she was sending a message to call 911. And as much as an overstep that was, I do kind of understand how these fans got to that point because for so long before the conservatorship was ended, overanalyzing Britney's Instagram was such a main part of the Free Britney movement because Instagram was really the only mode of communication that we had from Britney for a long time and there were always debates about whether or not it was her posting or if it was someone on her team or any sort of mix of the two. I think the general consensus was that it was Britney who was making the posts, at least most of the posts. There are a couple that I do think Team Khan wrote, especially anything that was promoting um, the in the zone fan experience thing, which if you're not in the community, that's probably not even going to mean anything to you. But if you are, then you know what I'm talking about. And I think that shit was sus as fuck. And then there was the one um, all is well post where I, I don't personally think that Britney wrote the caption to that post for various reasons that we won't get into. But everything else I think probably was Britney. I think it was probably just going through the filter of her team to make sure that she wasn't saying anything that made them look bad or that compromised any sort of legal dispute, whatever. And I think the fact that prior to the conservatorship ending, she never really talked about the conservatorship or any of the issues she was having in it, whereas after it was terminated, she talks about it pretty freely on her Instagram, I think that does indicate that that is more or less what was happening. Thus, everyone for years was always looking at Britney's posts to find any sort of, like, hint or clue that she might have been trying to give us that could get past the filter of Team Khan, but communicate some sort of message about her status to us. Like, something that's mentioned in this article is the fact that one time someone commented, if you need help, wear yellow in your next post. Now, I could be misremembering this, and I maybe even just completely made this up, because the article just says a commenter wrote that. I feel like the commenter was Vanessa Hutchins. Okay, I just looked it up. It wasn't Vanessa that wrote the yellow thing, but Vanessa did once comment, if this is a secret message, show us a rose and let us know it's your favorite flower. Which, honestly, I'm sure did happen after that, because Brittany's always posting about roses. But whatever. So I guess Vanessa did contribute to this discourse, but she wasn't the person that wrote the yellow thing. Regardless, Brittany did post photos of herself wearing yellow for, like, the next couple posts and even said, like, in the caption, like, my favorite yellow shirt. And yeah, I get it. <laughs> like, I still, this is the thing, is that there's so much that happened during that time that I still don't know what was true about it. Maybe Brittany was sending a message like that because it is so particular and strange for her to specifically call out the yellow thing. At the same time, though, I'm not sure that I believe if Brittany 
if Britney's like social media use was being so restricted by Team Khan as many people have assumed that it was, I don't know that she was reading those comments to know to wear yellow to begin with. I legitimately, I have no idea, and I would really like it if Britney would come out and just clarify a few things just so that I, that could put my mind at ease a little bit so I understand more of what happened during that time. But also, you know, I, I don't want Britney to feel like she has to say things or that, you know, I don't want us as a fandom to feel like we're entitled to certain information, but at the same time, I still do want to know. But there was a lot of stuff like that that just happened over the course of years, but especially the last few years once Britney, once the news that Britney had been being held in a mental health facility against her will came out, then after that, that's what really, really drove people to overanalyze every single Instagram post. But there was also people doing that prior because the people who really pushed this into, like, mainstream news was the podcast called Britney's Graham. And the entire podcast was about analyzing Britney's Instagram posts. So the Instagram has always just been a huge part of this. To the point that I can't be surprised that those fans called 911 just because Britney posted this Porsche called a 911 Carrera or whatever. Because those were the sorts of hints that fans had been trained to look for for years. And what I really appreciate about this article that Rebecca wrote is that it does acknowledge the fact that a lot of the concerns fans did have about Britney were valid, even when actual journalists weren't picking up the story. So I really like this passage at the beginning here where Rebecca writes, one theory spread on TikTok and Instagram over the past year has proposed that Spears is being held against her will in a mental health facility, which would sound far-fetched had it not already happened once before. In April 2019, Spears entered a treatment center reportedly for emotional distress over her father's health issues. When an anonymous source claiming to be a paralegal involved with Spears' legal team told the podcast Britney's Graham that the performer was being held against her will in the facility because a photo had surfaced of her driving a car, the media, including this magazine, framed it as a conspiracy theory. But last August, Spears uploaded a 22-minute audio file to YouTube corroborating parts of the source's account and alleging her father had threatened her with lawyers if she didn't agree to go quietly. So I appreciate the fact that Rebecca does acknowledge that a lot of the things that were dismissed as conspiracy theories in the beginning did turn out to be true. And in fact, they were evidence to be true before last August because pretty much right after that, TMZ reported that Britney had gone to the court and told them that she was held against her will. So there was already reports that that was the case even back then, even in 2019. And then when Britney did her, um, when she spoke to the court for the first time that the public got to hear in June of 2021, she repeated that claim again. So over and over, that story has been corroborated by Britney. And I am appreciative of the fact that Rebecca specifically points out that the magazine she's writing for was one of the ones that dismissed the original account as a conspiracy theory. I think that's good that she acknowledges like, yeah, this publication that you're reading right now was a part of that problem for a minute. 
And then Rebecca discusses the fact that there was this TMZ article that came out in January of this year where they were describing Britney as manic in a restaurant because there was this video of Britney. You can't even really tell what's happening in the video. It's her at a restaurant, like, kind of putting a menu in front of her face because she realizes that she's being filmed. And TMZ reported that she was speaking gibberish, but the the video is not... The camera itself isn't close enough for you to hear what she's saying. She's talking to a waiter, clearly, and there's no reason to assume that she's speaking gibberish because you can't fucking hear what she's saying. Especially, it was really loud in that restaurant, too. Like, there's no fucking way that the person holding the camera could hear her, either. So that was just, like, a stupid story for TMZ to run, and TMZ often runs stories that undermine Britney's mental health a lot because... Look, in my opinion, this is what's happening. I think, because I know how TMZ works, TMZ is really, really nice and will run favorable stories to people who give them information. They are very kind to their sources. They even sometimes pay for tips. And they write well of people willing to give them information. That's why you very rarely see them talk about things related to members of the Church of Scientology, because they reportedly have very close working relationships with the church because the church gives them access to people in the church and so they will only really write like positive information about them or they will write negative if they like absolutely have to like after the Danny Masterson verdict came out they wrote about the verdict but they didn't really cover the case while it was happening and the same thing with the Kardashians they have very close ties to the Kardashians so they very rarely run super negative stories about them if you've been following my coverage of the Depp v. Heard trial, I think it's pretty obvious that Johnny's team was feeding TMZ a lot of information, especially because his divorce attorney was Laura Wasser, who has a very known history with TMZ, etc., etc. So a lot of people in the Free Britney community have assumed over the years that Team Con is paying TMZ off, and I don't think it's that simple. It's the same shit with, like, the Colleen Ballinger Variety Fair shit. Or, I mean, Vanity Fair. I don't think there's a direct exchange of money. I think it's more like Team Khan, while the conservatorship was happening, was giving TMZ a lot of exclusives. And so TMZ, whenever they would report on the Free Britney case, they would always write in a way that benefited Team Khan. And they were constantly trying to undermine Britney's mental health. I think that Team Khan is probably still in communication with TMZ to a degree. And so they send them stories about, like, oh, people in Britney's life are staging this intervention, and everyone's really concerned about her. Because even now, there is just sort of a pro-conservatorship bent to the things that TMZ publishes about Britney. And also, TMZ is one of the rare tabloids that has an audience that is mostly made up of men. Most tabloids are dominantly read by women. So TMZ just has an especially egregious misogyny to a lot of its reporting because they know that they can get away with it. So even if they're not still in contact with Jamie Spears or Lou Taylor or anything, which honestly, I do think, I think Lou Taylor is the link here just because she is in contact with so many other celebrities that what I assume is happening is that Lou Taylor gives TMZ access to all of her other clients 
in exchange for them always writing nicely about those clients, like the Kardashians, like Meghan Trainer. though I don't know how often does TMZ write about Meghan Trainer. I mean, it's not like she's that relevant. Anyway, TMZ also could just be writing stuff about Britney that's bad because they know that their really, really misogynistic audience will eat it up because, yay, we're undermining a woman's mental health, you know? It's, it's just right up their alley. But anytime TMZ publishes something like that, there are conspiracy theories that crop up because people are rightfully suspicious of TMZ's reporting, but then that gets mixed into this idea that TMZ is another arm for the conservatorship and this is all a calculated move to get Britney put back into one. There are aspects of that that I think could be true. I think what it really is more, though, is not Team Khan trying to put Britney back into a conservatorship. I think they kind of know that that ship has sailed because I just, I can't imagine them thinking they could do that again, especially with the public backlash. What I imagine might be happening though is that they are trying to put out as much info about Britney's mental health that seems damning so that in any sort of impending legal disputes, if Britney sues her conservators, if anything happens with this investigation that's still kind of ongoing in the probate court, they can have this backup public idea that Britney is actually super mentally ill and therefore everything that happened in her conservatorship was warranted and they weren't ridiculously abusive criminals. So I don't personally think Britney's at a huge risk of being put into a conservatorship again, but I think that she's under a more threatening risk of her just not getting justice for what happened to her. But the suspicions about what media outlets are publishing about Britney is just another thing that's adding into this kind of snowball effect where fans think that they're helping her by calling 911. So that's literally just the intro to this article. That kind of sets the scene for why people are acting the way that they are acting. And then it goes into Brennan White, who is known on Twitter as Real Cocky. Real Cocky is one of the most prominent BNN figures in the movement. I mentioned him in the blog post that I wrote, and Rebecca, for this article, did interview him. And this is the big thing that people are acting like is the huge distinction between my blog post and Rebecca's article, because yes, I wrote about Real Cocky, but I didn't interview him. And okay, sure, but I wrote a blog post as a blogger and Rebecca wrote a New York Magazine feature article as a journalist. She is going to interview the subjects that she's talking about. She at least has to reach out to them. That's just basic form as a journalist. She can't, this isn't just like a fucking Huffington Post opinion piece or something. This is a feature article. This is a piece of journalism. Of course, she reached out to Real Cocky because she was going to be talking about him. That's just how this works. So for this criticism of Rebecca in particular, it's like, okay, one, she is expected to reach out to those people. 
There's no version of this article that can exist where she talks about the problematic things real Kaki is saying without making some sort of effort to get his word. Expecting her to not reach out to him for this article is literally expecting her to not do her job. But then two, I also don't really understand this distinction in terms of its overall weight. Like, the whole thing that people are upset about is that she's platforming real cocky by interviewing him. But I don't quite see how that's that much different than what I did because while I didn't interview him, I certainly did write about the things that I saw him saying and doing on the internet, which is also to a degree platforming him. If you're worried that other people are gonna read this article and agree with him, then that concern should also translate to what I wrote, even if I didn't actually talk to him. I'm still further publicizing his message, and I did it in a way that really specifically was criticizing him and calling it out as, like, bad, and Rebecca can't really do that because she's writing, again, a piece of journalism. She can't just be like, nah, stupid, like I do. You know, I just say things that I think are dumb. I just say they're dumb. She has to kind of couch it in this other way where she exposes how stupid it is without just saying it outright. And the way that this article is written, real cocky definitely doesn't come out of it looking good. She even kind of does blatantly call him out at one point where she writes, Like most who believe Spears is not free, he uses pithy nicknames for the major players in her world, ranging from the sort of funny, Lucifer refers to Lou Taylor, who is enemy number one, to the outright cruel. He has referred to Petrie as Fatsy Petrie. I'll, I'll talk about that more in a second. But like, she's just saying right there, some of the things that Real Cocky says is outright cruel. No reasonable person reading this article is getting a good impression of him. But okay, the point here is that he likes attention, and this article has given him attention. And okay, sure, but I don't care what he likes. I care how seriously people take his message. And if exposing his message is what gets people to think, oh, this guy is fucking weird and needs to stop, then go ahead, expose it. Let him expose himself. I don't care. I think the other concern here is maybe that because he's getting interviewed that people are worried he's going to be seen as a representative for the Free Britney movement. But again, I think that's a criticism you can only have of this article if you didn't read it. It makes it very, very clear that a lot of what Rebecca writes as OG Free Britney does not approve of Real Cocky or his faction of Beanons. There is a very clear distinction made here between conspiracy theory Free Britney and just regular Free Britney. But I do want to circle back to this um, Cassie Petrie thing for a second. So that's the person who um, who he referred to as Fatsy Petrie. And as Rebecca says, that is just outright cruel. But I do want to make a larger point here that... So Cassie Petrie is Britney's, I believe, current social media manager, or she owns the social media management company that Britney continues to work with, and she has been working with since before the conservatorship ended. And for a lot of people, that is suspicious. And I understand why, because again, 
Britney's Instagram and the control that Team Khan had over her social media was such a huge point of contention during a lot of the big Free Britney stuff that I get the fact that she's still with the same social media manager is weird. Or it at least seems weird from the outside. But this is what I will say about that. We don't fucking know what Cassie or her company understood about the situation while it was happening. We get a little bit more insight into Britney's relationship with her social media management company in this article because uh, Rebecca did reach out to someone at Crowdsurf. So the article says that Cassie only worked with Britney in person a few times, and a majority of their interactions were through phone calls and text messages, usually in group chats, where it says Spears would ask Petrie and her staff for advice on what to post or help with editing photos and videos. So I, I still am unclear about what the actual process was of Britney posting things on Instagram, and I would be really curious to find out what that was so that it could be a little bit easier to suss out exactly what Cassie knew because what I imagine happened, and this is literally, it's just my speculation. I have no fucking clue. But what I think makes the most sense to me is that Brittany was, she was sending this stuff in the group chat and possibly, I don't know. I really, I have no idea because I thought for a long time what was happening was Brittany would send what she wanted to post on Instagram to some sort of, like, like third-party person in between her and Cassie or whoever was running her stuff from Crowdsurf, the social media company itself. I figured there was some sort of intermediary where they would edit out anything that they didn't want Brittany to say, and then they sent that to Cassie. So I always assume that Cassie wasn't receiving info directly from Brittany, but there was some sort of in-between who was censoring Brittany before it could even get to Cassie. That's kind of what I thought might be happening and that I thought made the most sense. Now it sounds like Brittany was in a group chat with, with Cassie. So Cassie was hearing from her directly. There's still questions about like, what was being sent from Britney's phone because we know at this point that, or at least it's been reported at this point from credible sources that Britney's conservators did pretty much have control over her phone, that they would mirror her phone through her iCloud login and they would, they would delete things, like they would delete messages that was sent to her, they would change contact info in her in her phone so that she couldn't reach out to certain people. So it's like, I, I don't even know, like, of things that were sent via Britney's phone, how much that was coming from her. And that's really conspiratorial, but it's like, I just, I, I have so many questions that we just don't have the answers to yet. But the fact is, Britney's Instagram has always been this point of discussion and this point of suspicion. So the fact that Britney didn't change her social media company once the conservatorship was over has been another just thing that people who don't believe Britney is free will fixate on because they think that clearly that means that Britney isn't actually free because she still has the same people managing her, her output to the world. And while I do think that that is a completely unfair assumption on what it implies about Cassie and what she knew... While the conservatorship was going on, Cassie was definitely thought of as, like, main team con. A vast majority of the fandom was suspicious of her. So now, people who do believe that Britney is in fact free, which would include me, we have all kind of 
Well, not all of us, but most of us have definitely come around to the idea that Cassie was not as involved in censoring Britney as we previously thought. She might not have been involved at all. Cassie has kind of been somewhat vindicated, not like completely, because obviously, again, there are still questions. But for the most part, she's not looked at with the same suspicion that she was mid-2021. So the way that the fandom as a whole talks about Cassie is different. So I want to really point out here that while it is indeed cruel for real cocky to call her Fatsy Petrie, stuff like that was happening in the Free Britney movement by, like, regular Free Britney non-conspiracy theorist fans prior to the conservatorship being terminated. I didn't necessarily see everyone calling her Fatsy Petrie, because that is sort of... Yeah, I mean, it's it's just on its face mean and just overall fat-phobic and morally gross. But people definitely made fun of the way that she looked and the way that she talked in ways that, even if she had been Team Khan, wouldn't really justify. Like, I saw people tweeting, there was this this video of her talking in an interview, and when she talks, she does kind of move, like, one side of her mouth a little bit more than the other, which is totally normal. I do it all the time. Like, now that I have started doing YouTube videos and stuff and I have to look at my face moving when I talk, I realize how much I also do it. So maybe I even find that, like, personally upsetting that people are making fun of her for that. But regardless, that's just a mean thing to make fun of someone for doing is the way that their face moves when they talk. Because she can't help it, and it also is just, like, blatantly ableist. Because there are a lot of people who, just the way that the nerves in their face function, parts of their face move more than others. That's a thing that affects people for reasons that are completely outside of their control. It is a cruel thing to make fun of someone for. But when the entire fandom thought that Cassie Petrie was Team Khan, they decided that they were morally justified to make fun of her for outright cruel things. So yeah, it's easy for a lot of these people to say now, oh wow, look at how cruel real cocky is in the way that he talks about Cassie, even though a lot of those same people talked about her in similar ways before. They're just acting like the thing that changes it is now we know Cassie wasn't evil the whole time. And this is a problem that I just continuously see in the Free Britney movement. Like, I definitely have criticisms of Jamie Lynn Spears. I don't think that she's a very good person. But I see people mocking her for shit, like her, her teen pregnancy and calling her Juno Lynn, and just taking photos where they are trying to imply that she's just ugly. And it's... It, I don't care whether or not Jamie Lynn is a bad person. That's not an okay thing to do to someone. And people get so overzealous in how they pick her apart for everything, including things that have absolutely nothing to do with her relationship to Britney or the conservatorship. Like when the whole, um, the actor strike was starting, she posted something on her Instagram story where she just explained, like, oh, I have these projects that are coming out, but I can't promote them because of the actor's strike, and it's really disappointing to me, but I also think that it's really important that we stand together for this strike and that we try to get the things that the union is uh, protesting for. Like, I thought the video was fine. If 
anyone else posted it, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I'd be like, oh yeah, that sucks. You don't get to promote your thing. But then everyone was like, oh my God, she's making it about her and how sad she is. I think she doesn't even really care about the strike. She just wants to promote her own stuff. And I don't, just reading that far into it out of this really, really brief clip, it's like, it's just so obsessive and weird. And then people were also trying to accuse her of breaking union rules by like promoting her shows just because she mentioned in the video that she has the shows coming out but she can't promote them and like yeah I get okay she mentioned that she has these shows coming out but it's also just a fucking like Instagram story where she's just recording herself real quick it's not it's not like a calculated decision she's making and it's okay for her to express some sort of disappointment about like oh man I worked really hard on this now I don't get to promote it. It kind of sucks. Like, that's fine. If anyone else posted that, there's no fucking way you would be mad. But people were literally, like, reporting her to the union and trying to get her kicked out of SAG. Like, y'all are doing way too fucking much. But you justify it by being like, well, she's a shitty person, so it's okay if I try to ruin her life. Just call her out for the things that she needs to be called out on, please. It's getting weird. It's getting so weird. But so anyway... The article then goes into a discussion about this care plan or termination plan, and it was something that was developed by Jody Montgomery, um, who was one of Britney's conservators, like, right at the very end of the conservatorship, and I do kind of wish that Rebecca made that clarification, because she wasn't a part of the conservatorship throughout the whole thing. She came in when Jamie, Jamie Spears stepped down as the conservator of Britney's person. And I'm not gonna vindicate Jody of any sort of wrongdoing here because I, I don't really know exactly what she was a part of. At one point, Brittany said something in that um, June 2021 address to the court where she she said that even Jody is starting to take things too far with me in reference to her um, medical health plan. Like she said that she was doing therapy too many times a week. And I guess that's something that Jody was pushing her to do. So people are now suspicious of Jody. Well, they've always been suspicious of Jody, but especially because of that line in particular, people will use that as a clue to be like, well, see, Jody was a part of the problem too. Brittany even named her in her address to the court. But I will also say that Brittany said it as even Jody, which does make me think that Brittany has a more charitable opinion of Jody than she does of her other conservators, you know? So I don't know exactly how much Jody participated in the overall abuse, because she was just there at the very end, and most of the, like, really, really bad stuff that we know, it doesn't seem like Jody participated in. But, okay, sure, reason to just distrust her overall. So the fact that Jody is a part of this care plan, which is basically, it's like a non-legal binding plan for what Brittany is going to do and how she's going to learn how to transition out of the conservatorship into just normal adult free life. And presumably it includes things like her medical information and like how often she needs to go to the doctor and how often she should be going to therapy and yada yada. The details of it we just don't know. We have no idea what is in the termination plan. And as far as I'm aware from how I understand the law, it's not a legally binding thing. It's not something that Brittany needs to do. It's just like a template in place so that she can adjust. And this is something that it's aroused a lot of suspicions from the being on crowd because they think that it's still, like, it's just basically the conservatorship 2.0, and that is super frustrating to me, 
because it seems to come with this expectation that once the conservatorship was over, that Britney was supposed to just know immediately how to go on with her life. And I think that is so unfair and so unsympathetic and also so ironic, too, when you think about these BNN people are the most radical when it comes to believing that the conservatorship was evil. And I do think that the conservatorship was, like, evil and abusive, sure. But they have this idea of how restrictive it was and how much of Britney's behavior was under the control of Team Khan to a degree where it's like, okay, if anyone should understand how hard it's going to be for her to transition out of that arrangement, it should be the people who think that it was like this really ultra-oppressive and controlling institution. Like, if you think that Britney was basically being kept as a slave for 14 years, then why wouldn't you assume that a termination plan would be a good idea? And that's what's so exposing about these conspiracy theories to me, where it's like, they're clearly not even thinking about Britney as a person, and they're not thinking about the psychology involved in what the experience she went through would be like and how that would affect her later on. They just think that she should be able to bounce back however it is they've decided her ideal self should act. Whatever their idea of Britney is, she needs to immediately snap back into that the second she gets out of her conservatorship. She's not going to have any sort of lasting trauma. She's not going to have any sort of confusion for how to live the rest of her life, despite the fact that she hasn't been able to make basic decisions about her life for over a decade. And after that, the article goes into talking about Britney's wedding from last year to Sam Asghari, which, of course, the people who already distrust Sam, they hate and they already thought was a sham. But she specifically mentions here that a lot of these BNN people are suspicious of the fact that Britney's wedding took place at her own house. So Real Cocky is quoted saying, The woman who's been conserved in this prison house is choosing to get married in the prison house? So they're trying to use that as evidence that Britney is still under this conservatorship because their idea of the situation is that Britney's house was like a prison to her. So, of course, once she gets out of the conservatorship, she's going to move immediately and she's never going to want to set foot in that house again. They've projected all this onto Britney without even considering the idea that maybe the reason Britney had her wedding at her house, maybe the reason she didn't move from her house, and maybe the reason she is continuing to post Instagram videos from the same living room, is that she was, in fact, kept in her house a lot during the conservatorship. I don't know exactly how much. I don't think that her movement was as restricted as a lot of these BNN people think that it was, but I definitely have gotten the idea from things that have been reported about Britney's life during that time that... She couldn't just, like, leave whenever she felt like it. She needed to get permission. She needed to have a driver. She needed... Someone always needed to know where she was going to be. So she probably did spend more time isolated in her house than she would have otherwise. And so, yeah, in some ways, I get seeing her house as, like, this prison. But in the same way, if she's been having to deal with that situation for, like, 14 years, even if it's not specifically in that one house... Her being isolated to her house and her being isolated to these people 
that Team Khan has decided she can be around, have you not stopped to consider for a second that maybe being outside of those boundaries is scary to her? Maybe as she's transitioning out of this era in her life, being able to be in the home that she's made a home despite the circumstances over the last few years, maybe that offers her some amount of comfort or stability? Did you really expect Brittany to go from being isolated in her home for like over a decade and needing to get permission every time she needed to leave the house to just go from that to just being out on the town all the time? Like, what did you want her to do? What did you expect her to feel comfortable doing? It's like they want to acknowledge how much Brittany was traumatized and abused in her conservatorship, but they just don't want to acknowledge the fact that that trauma is gonna sometimes make her do things that isn't super convenient to the way they want to look at her. And that, again, just leads all back to the social media stuff where... During the conservatorship, when Brittany was posting these videos of her just dancing in her living room and having kind of messy hair or having, like, really thick eyeshadow or thick eyeliner, people were convinced that that was just... That was because of the conservatorship. That was because of the abuse she was going through. People were making her do that or she was just so traumatized and in shock that she was putting out these videos where people just thought that they were weird or something. And now that she's continuing to put out similar quality videos and photos and Instagram posts, those same people are now convinced that she's still under control because they thought that a free Britney's social media output was just going to look different. And really that it was going to look more similar to like a normal celebrity's, normal in quotes, celebrity's Instagram output, which is mostly just run by social media people anyway. I mean... Is that really what you wanted Britney to do, was just become this super polished pop star who only puts out stuff that a media manager has created for her? That's so boring. But clearly a lot of them did. A lot of them just wanted her to look like a polished pop star again. And that's very frustrating because, for one thing, it's just putting these judgments onto Britney's social media output that makes it seem so much more bizarre than it actually is. Like, I'll give it to you, yeah. She doesn't post like someone who's been using the internet for a really long time. You know why? Because she fucking hasn't been, okay? We, again, still don't know all the details about her access to the internet, but I think it's pretty likely that she didn't have full access to just, like, scroll Instagram the way that the rest of us have been for the last, like, 15 years. Her Instagram account was literally made after the conservatorship was put into place. I don't think that Britney has had the time or the ability to really just interact with the web the same way the rest of us have. I can't believe I just called it the web. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't get why people are expecting her to be super social media savvy when she hasn't been on social media in the completely unrestricted way that the rest of us have been for years. I don't think that Britney's Instagram posts are any weirder than, like, a random grandma who posts on Facebook and stuff. Like, when I see things that my grandma posts, I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about? And it's not because my grandma's under someone else's control, and it's not because my grandma is mentally ill or anything. It's literally just because she's an old lady on the internet, and she didn't grow up with it. So why would I expect her to know the exact right way to make a Facebook post that's super co- It's like, Old people on the internet are fucking weird. And really, 
I think that my grandma has probably had more access to the internet than Britney Spears had in the last, like, 10 years. So, uh, cool it with your expectations of what Britney should be posting. Even before the conservatorship was ever a thing, I remember things about Britney having to have uh, Paris Hilton explain Google to her in the mid-2000s. And so even before the conservatorship, I don't think that Britney was very online. I think this is kind of like a newer technology to her. What, what do you expect her to post? It's just, it's so frustrating with what people expect of her and how they associate everything with either her being super mentally unwell or her still being under a conservatorship. It's like, just let her fucking figure it out. Oh my God. But then other fans go to this complete other degree where everything that Britney posts on social media now, they they act like it's this super, super deep, profound shit. And occasionally, yeah, like she posted this poem the other day that I thought was really good and I, I liked it a lot. But then there's other things that she posts where it's like, okay, she just posted the same photo of herself a couple times in a row, but people are so committed to the idea that she's this like secret genius. And I definitely think she's smarter than a lot of people give her credit for and definitely way more creative than people give her credit for with how many people think that she's this manufactured pop star. But sometimes she probably does just post things just to post them just because she likes a photo. She's not sending this like secret weird message that's like couched in these layers of meaning. And I see people still doing that who aren't conspiracy theorists, like just people who are fans of Britney that need everything she does to have this really profound meaning attached to it to the degree where one of the criticisms I've seen of this article that I think is so ridiculous is people picking out the fact that Rebecca wrote, hers is the opposite of a typical celebrity social media account. It's chaotic in a fun way and in a way that can arouse concern, all of which is deeply confusing for fans who are used to seeing their starlets post careful, publicist-approved content. I don't think there's anything wrong with that sentence at all. Like, just reading it on my own, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a totally fine way to put it. It's kind of chaotic in a fun way, but it can make some people concerned because they're not used to seeing big pop stars like Britney Spears post things that are this unpolished. That's a completely fair way to say this. But then I went on social media and I saw people picking apart this article just because she said chaotic in a fun way and people were accusing her of being condescending to Britney which like what did you want Rebecca to say you wanted Rebecca to go in there and be like actually all the things that Britney posts are super profound and people just don't get it because they're not looking at it in the right way and they have such deep meat like that's clearly what some people wanted her to write and that's ridiculous if you feel that way about Britney's Instagram, that's fine. Go for it. Love that for you. But don't police Rebecca just because she wrote chaotic in a fun way. Like, she is defending Britney here. She's saying people shouldn't expect so much from her. She's just posting things that aren't super polished and clean like a normal celebrity would. That is a huge improvement from the other way that some people cover Britney's Instagram where they're like, oh, it's so weird. She's so weird. Has she actually been this weird the whole time? Chaotic in a fun way is just an absolutely fine way to put it if that's how Rebecca feels. She doesn't have to feel the way that you do, that everything Britney writes is profound to the point that 
if a journalist doesn't acknowledge that, that's condescending. Come on. When I see shit like that, I just feel like you were never gonna like this article. You were always gonna find ways to undermine it and make it seem like Rebecca was writing something in complete bad faith when she just wasn't. Anyway, I'm quoted at the very end. I'm not gonna read exactly what I said or what she says I said. I honestly, I don't know how much of it is like verbatim my words because when I talked to Rebecca, she wasn't, she didn't tell me that she was recording the call at all and I don't know, I'm assuming she was recording or calling me from New York so I don't know what the, um, what the like one party, two party consent laws are there. So maybe she wouldn't have to tell me, I'm not sure. And it'd be fine if she was, I, I, I don't care. But I don't think, she didn't tell me she was recording and from the way we were talking, I didn't, I would be surprised if she was able to, like, type it all out while we were talking. Maybe she had some sort of program that would transcribe it as we were talking. That's not technically recorded. I don't know. I'm just saying it because I'm, like, I literally don't know if what I'm quoted here saying is verbatim what I said. I don't have any issues with how it's quoted, but I don't remember. So I, I, I have no idea. It could literally just be a paraphrase of something that I said. But my general points here are completely things that I stand by, which is that um, it's a problem that journalists, real investigative journalists, didn't take up this issue sooner and that it was left to a whole bunch of Free Britney activists just doing their best but not really have the training to know what the most responsible way to cover the story was. That is something that I've always said and continue to say. Um, she mentions here how I talked about this podcast episode from Britney's Graham run by um, Tess Barker and Babs Gray, where they were talking about something Britney had posted where they were absolutely convinced from the caption that Britney didn't post it because they just didn't think it was something that Britney would say. And I pointed out in my, my original blog post that that was just indicative to me of the problem with the way that a lot of people were talking about this at the time, which is that if something doesn't match up completely to what my image of Britney is, then that must be Team Con. It couldn't have come from her. And I think that that is something that led to a lot of these conspiracy theories that have lasted outside of the conservatorship, where anything that Britney does currently that doesn't completely match up to people's image of her has to mean that she's not yet free. And then I'm quoted as saying something about how I sympathize with some of the conspiracy theorist people now because... For such a long time, Team Khan kept everything about Britney's conservatorship under wraps, and they even made statements that later turned out to be inaccurate. And this is where, like, if I were typing out what I was saying, I would type it a little bit differently than what I'm quoted here saying, but this might literally be just what I said out loud. I don't remember. But I said something about, like, um, here, let me find it. I know I said I wasn't going to read it quote for quote, but I'll just read it. We're never going to be fully satisfied because the answers we got were plainly inaccurate and in covering up something that was pretty gross. And describing something as gross is something that I would definitely do. I've probably done it earlier today in this podcast. But a one thing that I would put, like a, a clarification in here was like, we're never going to be fully satisfied because the answers that we got during the conservatorship, like I would put that clarification there that like while the conservatorship was going on, the things being released by Team Khan or from sources close to Britney in quotes, those things didn't match up to a lot of the things that came out about the situation later. 
So that, I think, has prompted a lot of suspicion over things that are currently happening because it's just cast this entire cloud of doubt over everything related to Britney. But I do worry a little bit about, like, the answers we got were plainly inaccurate. It might imply that I think that about, like, things that have come out post-conservatorship. I don't know. I'm assuming most people understood what I was saying if they read that, but I, I don't know. That's just a clarification that I would make if I were going to write my statement out. Other than that, I don't have any huge beef with this article. If it were me, and based on, like, the conversation I had with Rebecca and what I know her and I talked about, I would have included more stuff about how I think the conversations around Britney's mental health have really enabled a lot of these issues because for a lot of people, when the Free Britney movement was first starting to really blow up on social media, I think a lot of people's talking points for why the conservatorship was illegal or abusive or unjust centered around this idea that Britney Spears isn't actually mentally ill. And that's a problem. Number one, because we don't know. We have absolutely no insight into her, her mental state whatsoever. I assume that she has been diagnosed with something. I don't know what specifically, but it just, literally just because of some of the stuff she's gone through, I can't imagine her not having some sort of diagnosable mental illness or disorder or something. It, it just would make sense, even if it's just like PTSD or something. And mental illnesses are also just so common that it it wouldn't be weird statistically for her to have a mental illness. But I literally saw people tweeting shit. How can Britney need to be put into a mental health facility when just a month ago we saw her post this on Instagram where she looked totally happy and she was talking about how excited she was for her new residency. That's not something a mentally ill person does. And it's like, what are you talking about? That it, People were always using these like little 15 second clips of her on Instagram looking happy and talking about her work where they're like, oh, this is clear proof that Britney doesn't need a conservatorship, that she's totally mentally well and she's completely, everything is fine cognitively and she's not suffering with any sort of mental, it was just stupid. It was dumb. It's dumb because that's not how mental illness works. And it's dumb because it completely set Britney up so that now any time she displays any sort of poor mental health or any sort of struggle with her mental health, it, there's these two camps that come through, one of which will be like, maybe she did need the conservatorship the entire time. Because somehow this crowd completely missed the fact that the conservatorship itself was abusive. Whether or not Britney ever qualified to be in one, I think is a completely separate issue from the fact that the one that she was in was bad. Her conservators were putting recording devices in her bedroom without her knowledge. You can't tell me that because Britney Spears is displaying symptoms of a mental illness, that that was the solution. It's just absurd to me. Conservatorships are such a drastic measure anyway. Most people who have mental illnesses, even severe mental illnesses, do not qualify for that type of intervention. So just saying, like, Brittany is displaying symptoms of poor mental health isn't enough to say that the conservatorship was justified, that any conservatorship was justified, but especially that one with what we know about it. 
But the fact that this emphasis was put on proving Brittany was or wasn't mentally ill has completely made people miss the point about what was so wrong about that situation. It never should have involved a discussion about Brittany's mental health. Because no mental illness justifies the things that they were doing. And especially if Brittany was actually mentally ill enough to qualify for a conservatorship, then she definitely wasn't mentally well enough to be doing the amount of work and the type of work that her conservators were having her do throughout that time. So there's that camp that will now justify the conservatorship because Brittany acts like a traumatized woman on occasion because she is traumatized and she very well might have some other separate mental illness or separate mental health concern that is completely separate from her experience. That is just like something she was born with. We don't know. We have no idea. It's totally possible. And then there's the other camp that now anytime she displays any symptom of a mental illness will use that as proof that she's still under the conservatorship, that she's still like being drugged by people or that people are putting out these AI versions of her on TikTok or on Instagram or whatever to try to trick the public. Like, it, it just set up for the fucking worst scenario where Britney's mental health is being used for all these different theories that are all harmful to her. And so I, I, I wish that that was a part of the, the article more just talking about how the original concerns or the original discussions about whether or not Britney is actually mentally ill set up for this entire thing to persist. But that's not really a criticism of Rebecca so much as it's just what I would have done differently if I were writing the article. But anyway, those are my very, very abridged thoughts. Uh, and I have to go now because I'm going to be late for work because I talked about this for too long. But, you know, I have a lot of feelings. Um, anyway, I'm going to continue working on the Depp Be Heard Part 3. I, I don't know if if I'm gonna have another podcast episode out next week because I might be so knee-deep into that that I do just decide to forego it, but we'll see. And I don't know exactly when that video is gonna be finished, but I'm hoping soon-ish, I don't know. It's just, it's so big and it's, because I know it's gonna be the final part of the series, I'm so worried about wishing that I had added certain things into it, but at the same time, I also don't wanna make it so fucking long that it's, just rambly and unwatchable so i don't know I, i'm still working and i'm doing my best anyway um goodbye